It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson. Tune in to Turn on the Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune in to the Turn on the Jets podcast. Everybody, welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson at Will Paul on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Busy week on the feed. Had Brad Spielberger, PFF on, and Mike Brenner, the messenger, on yesterday. Today, Alan Hahn, uh, ESPN, MSG, everyone, everyone knows who you are at this point, right? It's, it's, uh, it's easier said than done, but um, Alan, how are we doing today, man? Uh, good, good. Looking forward. You know, it's funny. We've been talking already this week, and we want to talk ourselves into three and three which was unimaginable if you consider four plays into the season. But I'm going to keep talking myself into it until, you know, until game time and you start to wonder how can they beat this team? The Eagles are so good. I know. And well, it'll be 10, nothing. And then the Jets will give us a bunch of hope and it's either they can figure it out like they did against Buffalo <laughs> and Denver, or uh, it'll be Dallas and KC all over again. Um, I guess, yeah. you know, you, you know, yes, last week, obviously the Denver game was, it was the classic Jets letdown game, right? Play well against Kansas City, almost take them to the wire. Everyone expects them to beat Denver. What was your level of kind of concern going into that game? And how do you feel like they kind of, I guess, were you were you just happy with the 10-point win? Like, were you like, some people were kind of mad they didn't look as good as they were hoping? Like, where did you land on, on last week? Yeah, it's such a great question to ask because I, I learned, and I learned this a lot of times from pros, it's like you you never take wins for granted. You, when you get a win, you take the win. There's no, like, there's no moral victories and there's no ugly wins. None. Like, you just take them. Um, and I think that's how I viewed it. It, you know, the start certainly had you a little bit concerned. They couldn't contain Russ. And it was another quarterback that was running all over you. But you start to learn about your team and you start to learn that even last year, too, it was a defense that always adjusted in game. And they adjust well in game. So you feel like, all right, they'll probably make adjustments. They'll be able to figure it out. And we saw it against the Chiefs. We saw it against, you know, obviously Denver as well. Eventually the defense figures it out enough to get you or keep you in the game. The only problem is, is your curiosity about an offense that, you know, is it ever going to be good enough to get in the red zone and score? You can get big plays and Brees gave him a big play. But I, I still think my... My hesitation, and it's all every Jets fan always, you know, you feel like something bad's going to happen. And then when the Aaron Rodgers thing happened, it felt like if there's no epitome of Jet fan more than that moment right there, I mean, that certainly was it. But that's the thing that holds me back from 
really being all in on wanting this to be the little engine that could all of a sudden is the offense hasn't gotten to a point yet where I'm confident that they can go down the field and score. I think they can go down the field and get, get three points. But when you're playing against big time teams and this first six weeks has been a killer, you gotta be able to put six on the board when you get into the red zone and against Philly and this defense, you know, I'm not sure, you know, I think that's my biggest fear and that's been my fear for this team. And that Patriots loss now looks even worse because they are so bad. And the fact that you couldn't, when you needed it most, get the touchdowns, that you couldn't do anything in the first half, that's where I'm waiting and wondering, is the offense ever going to be good enough to be confident in it when they need to get a score? Yeah, you look at it and it's just it's frustrating because that Chiefs game could have been the moral victory house money game. Oh, my and God. In, and instead, yeah. it's like you kind of leave that game and you're like, we should be two and two at worst here. And, you know, that's obviously the frustrating part. I agree on the red zone stuff. I think they've been so good this year about holding teams in the red zone, um, you know, on defense. But on offense, look, Philly's yeah. defense in the red zone is has been is 30th in the NFL right now. But the Jets are 32nd in red zone offense. So it's not like you, you <laughs> know, you're gotta not, give. You, something's got to give. They're 12 and 0 against the Jets all time. They're 5 and 0. Something maybe you hope on Sunday. Um, you obviously yep. have Garrett Wilson on the show every week and, you know, he's awesome to listen to and you guys do a great job with him. He actually, you know, gives you guys a real interview. It's not a, it's not your normal, yeah. you know, ABC check these three things off type of interview. I guess yeah. what's your been your favorite part of going and getting to talk with him every week? Cause I feel like you've seen his personality. He's just like a fun person to listen to talk about football and seems like a normal, nice guy. He really is. It's genuine what you get on the show. You know, like that's just his personality. We, we spent some time with him already. It was kind of cool at the end of today's show because uh, Bart on Wednesdays, he goes to Florham Park because he does stuff in the morning before our show for the Jets. He does stuff with Nick Mangold and, and Brian um, Boldinger and stuff like that. So, we, you know, he does the show from there. And while we were at the end of the show, Garrett happened to walk by the place where Bart was doing the show from, and he just popped in and he just started talking like, and that's just him. He's, he's that cool. He's, he's wise beyond his years, but he's also mature beyond his years. And that's kind of what I like about him is, is that he's, he understands his talent, but he also understands the business that he's in. So he knows I'm going to do a weekly I got to bring something to the table that like he's not thinking I'm just going to take the money and I'm going to give you a bunch of cliches and say nothing because who the hell wants to listen to that. And we've seen a lot of athlete interviews and coaches who are on weeklies. They don't tell you anything. And it's, you know, you're like, man, change the channel. He's not like that. He's must listen every week. He gives us something. We try to have fun with him, talk about things, just not football. Um, but I, I love it. I think he's, I think it just shows you again that what he is on the field these are building block kind of players that, you know, you, you want Garrett Wilson to be a jet for the next 12 years. You want him to retire a jet. You want him to be up there with, you know, the, the Altoons and the Wesley Walkers, you know, you want him in that conversation, um, you know, with, with all those guys in the end, because he's that talented, but he's also personality wise, somebody that's so easy to root for. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, you meant we obviously that that draft class in twenty twenty two is something that is obviously been a building block. And we look <laughs> at it this year. How crazy was yeah. it to see Brees Hall not only just come back week one, which I thought, you know, maybe he'll be back. We kind of I said by the bye, I think is when he's gonna 
get the pitch count taken off. I was off by by two weeks. I feel like last week was the first time we saw him 100% confident in the knee. I felt like the Bills game, the Chiefs game, I know you can blame Garrett or Tyler Conklin for not making that final block. I just didn't feel like he had that 100%, 21-mile-an-hour cut off the knee. I still felt like he was a little hesitant. He did not look hesitant at all on Sunday. How no. how impressed are you that he's back this quickly? Because, I don't know, he, I mean, he had his knee redone and less than a year ago, and he's already six in the NFL and rushing on 50 carries. Yeah, that's the impressive part, is that it came back as fast as it did. And we're starting to see that, too. I mean, the ACL used to be a death sentence for players. When I was in college, I played college basketball at a low level, but I blew out my ACL, and that was it. It was in the early 90s, and people like only Bernard King was coming back from stuff like that. Like it was, it was a death sentence. And so what it's become now is it used to be a year. Now it's even less than that, and you see these guys proving it. Leg strength's everything, and, and obviously he's got tremendous leg strength and speed. He's a big, strong back, which is why he's so effective. But – I also found it like as we were all talking about it being Nathaniel Hackett's story going back to Denver, we had to remember this is also for an athlete to return to where you were injured and it was a serious injury that he had. And then to have the performance that he had on that field, man, that says so much about him. That's the mental part of coming back from an injury that you need. You got to break through and trust everything. And what better place to do it than the scene of the crime where he was on his way to being offensive rookie of the year up until that injury. So that's what I'm impressed with. And it kind of shows you that again, you're not just dealing with a guy who's a great runner or fast. He's got it upstairs as well. And I love that part of it. So it was great to see. I wanted to see him get 200. You know, once he got to 170, you're like, you know, can he get 200? Can he cut two bills down in this game? He probably could have, Luckily, they didn't need him to, um, but it it really does say a lot how much he's come back and what a weapon he can be. And it, it takes pressure off having Zach Wilson to be somebody that's got to make big decisions with the ball. If you are that much of, of a um, focal point of the defense, and if Dalvin Cook can get his legs under him, and I'm hoping even in Denver you saw a little something, even though he didn't get a lot of work, just if they can get him to start getting his legs under him again, that running game becomes such a threat that it takes the pressure off of Zach Wilson because when everybody's focusing on that running game, it does it takes some of the mess out of the field. And now Garrett's in one-on-ones, you know, and now Lazard's in one-on-ones. And for, for Zach Wilson, it's a lot easier than having to constantly look safeties off and worry about a linebacker coming across. Like if you have a cleaner field to look at because they're so worried about the running game. I want Zach Wilson to do what Mark Sanchez did play action, pass stuff, rely on the run game as much as you can and be opportunistic when you do throw the ball and Brees allows that to happen when he looks like he did in Denver. Yeah. He's, but he's a back that I don't know if we've seen the Jets have never really had like Curtis Martin was more of like five, six, seven, yeah. you know, seven to carry Brees is like, he has that in his game, but he also has the 75 in the blink of an eye. And I know, Everyone got on Tiki that he he is not a deceptively fast guy. He is just a four three guy. Um, I want to ask you about the two kind of the yeah. biggest hot the biggest hot topics this week. Not from necessarily a positive perspective. Elijah Vera Tucker, I feel horrible for the guy. Kind of comes back, yeah. was playing at an all pro level again, and then it's like these freak injuries, Achilles, torn tricep. Like it's not like he's sitting there getting rolled up in piles. Like they're just out of nowhere. It's happening. Um, and then the McCole Hardman thing. I don't make that much of it just because he hasn't played at all this year, but is it a little disappointing to you that mm-hmm. they've not been able to figure out a way to get anything out of him? Or is it just Xavier Gibson's took his 
you know, took his spot. I think it's a little bit of the Gibson thing. And, you know, you see it because if you watch Hard Knocks, which I know you did, like you saw how much they fell in love with him right at the beginning. He's a great story. And then on top of it, he's got the speed. You can use him on special teams. And, and, and we saw that right away in week one, just what a weapon he can be when it comes to special teams. So the versatility's there. He, he's cheaper. You know, you can get him to do things. And there's a part of me that wants to believe that Hardman was more for the Aaron Rodgers playbook than it is for Zach Wilson. And I get it because, like, I asked Bart this stuff. I'm like, well, wait a second. Shouldn't Hardman be actually valuable to Zach Wilson because you're essentially just dump it off to him and let him use his speed and playmaking ability uh, out in the flat? And, and he said, well, not really because th that's just simply the whole – everybody will be focused on him. You have other players who can do that stuff. And Gibson just keeps running where he doesn't even get the ball, but you see him just kind of running back and forth just to create uh, distractions for the defense. So were they preserving Hardman because they knew, well, we have Gibson. We don't want Hardman to get hurt and he could be an asset for us as far as a trade goes. Or did they just feel that Nicole was here for Aaron Rodgers who would know how to use him and know how to manipulate defenses to get him into situations where he can get into one-on-ones and do what he does best? I don't know, but I got to believe that that's a big part of this. Otherwise, why would they just suddenly go from a guy that you thought could be a weapon to a guy that's persona non grata? Yeah, I'm going to say, Paige, I, I think Xavier Gibson played, a, I believe, 18 snaps on, on offense. Only he's one. He's touched the ball one time so far this year. So, like, yeah, yeah. I'm excited but about it. But he's him. running around like crazy, yeah, though. Yeah, it's if you getting watch the, him in the back, yeah. Like, pre-snap, he's all over the place and he never touches the ball. He's doing the Elijah Moore from last year. Uh, Elijah just wasn't so yeah. uh, receptive to doing that job. I guess, how do you kind of look at the rest yeah. of the season, right? It's, we kind of talked about it. Obviously, you're dreaming a three and three here. I don't think this game is as cut and dry as it. The biggest issue is the Jets run, you know, can they protect Zach and can they stop the run, which is obviously what the Eagles are, are best at. So there's that. But yep. I don't think getting a wild card spot's out of the question. Like, I just, I truly don't. I feel like the schedule opens up really nicely for them here. I feel like the AFC is not quite as good as we might have thought, or it's everyone's just beating up on each other. Buffalo has suffered a ton of really serious injuries. New England's terrible. Yep. Um, Cleveland's mm -hmm. not as good as we thought. Baltimore, like, there's a lot there. Um, I know not everybody share. I'm, I'm probably too optimistic on this, but, like, I still see a path to 10 wins. Like, I really do. I Maybe that's optimistic, nine wins, whatever it is. Even if they lose this game, I don't feel like this. the season's over. Like, that win in Denver – kept them alive for the next five, six, seven weeks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So it's amazing. Jets fans, optimistic. Who'd have thought it? But, but it, there is reason for it. I feel like the season is just getting started now. Like, I almost feel like this game, you get those first six weeks out of the way. This was the gauntlet we all worried about. There was this thought, like I said, if you can get out of it three and three with Aaron Rodgers, you'd feel pretty good. Without him, it's a, uh, to me, it's amazing if you're three and three and you somehow pull off the upset. Somebody's always got to go. It's either going to be the streak or it's going to be the five and oh that the Eagles have, right? Something's got to go in this thing. Um, but I think the season really now becomes real because we're in that winnable games portion of the schedule. And I'm looking at the pocket that's not necessarily like, look, out of the, out of the bye against the Giants, if you're, you know, like you should win that game. The Giants are a mess. You're coming out of a bye. There's no reason to lose this game. Beyond that, though, I'm looking at this. There's a three-week span where you play the Dolphins twice. You got them on Black Friday, which is the big game, of course. The National League, it's 3 o'clock, weird start time and all that stuff. But you got them then. And then you got them a couple of weeks later down in Miami, which is to your favor because it's not when it's humid and heat and they put you on the other side of the field with the sun baking on you and all that stuff. That's good. But that's dangerous because we all know, I mean, Miami's really good. You've already beaten Buffalo. That's fine because you needed that in your pocket. You got it. Miami, though, this is to me, though, that pocket of the season is going to tell me where exactly you are. Because if you can try to get one of those and win the winnable games, I think you're right there. Just like you said, everybody in the AFC has got a problem. Like everybody does. You know, like Kansas City just looks like they're just above everybody else because they always are. But after that, Cincinnati, Buffalo, they have injuries. You know, Miami, I mean, Armstead's out. They lost him for a bunch of time, and and uh, um, HN is out. They're going to miss at least a little bit of him for the next couple of weeks, and he's a big part of their speed package. So it's not like you're the only team dealing with injuries. Stay in it. You can be one of the top seven teams, but you got to be able to still steal a few more. So beyond trying to steal Philly, if you don't, you're two and four. Now you got to steal another one, and that Miami – you know, again, it's seeing them twice in a short span is what bothers me. And you got to try to split that one to stay alive and really prove yourself as a team that should be a playoff team. So once we get to Thanksgiving, I think it really gets real. But the schedule after the bye, to me, this is when the season for the Jets really does begin. Yeah, we look at, um, you know, last couple of things. So we look at that, you know, we look at this Philly game and, you know, they've slept walk through some games 
not only early on this year, they have Miami next week. And that's a game that very easily could be the five and one Dolphins who have Carolina who suck. And, you know, the, the Eagles have never lost the Jets. There's a good chance they could sleepwalk into this game coming off the West Coast trip and going to Miami. It's like, yeah, this is a perfect opportunity to catch a team while they're sleeping. Then the Jets going to a bye. They have the Giants, as you mentioned, the Chargers coming here off a West Coast trip and their coach, you know, on a on a short week. Long going across the country, I don't trust at all. They get the Raiders and that defense stinks. Yeah, that defense yep. stinks. And then mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned that stretch. They get Miami at home. They have Houston. Uh, I think uh, I don't forget who else. So they have somebody else too. That's a very winnable game. And then they have the Miami. Uh, Atlanta. You, know, you have Atlanta. Atlanta. You have yeah, Atlanta. Yeah. 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 Three or four at home. Like yeah, week thirteen. It's Atlanta and Houston, right? And that's in between the Miami games, right? Yeah. yeah. So like at the end of the day, like take care of business. Like you got to steal. You probably have to steal two left on the schedule, whether that's Cleveland, whether that's the Bills again, a Miami game, this Philly game. Just put yourself in advantageous spots so we don't have to talk about winning in in, in Foxborough. As bad as this Patriots team is. Oh, I'm glad you said that because I looked at this. Bart and I were going over the schedule today, and I saw this guy. I'm thinking to myself, all right, you want to be in it. You want to go into the last week of the season. You know, and we all remember what happened in 2015 when Fitzmagic and company went up to Buffalo and all they had to do was they already had 10 wins. Let's go see Rex. Let's beat a Buffalo team that was going nowhere and get into the playoffs. And we all saw what happened. They laid an egg. It was embarrassing. And, and it's something we still talk about to this day. Like Willie Colon, who didn't play in the game, but he was up there with the Jets because he was hurt. And I would say to him, like, how the hell did you lose that game? And he said, I don't know. Like, we weren't feeling it. You could see it on the field before the game. We just weren't feeling it. And I'm like, how is that possible? But I'm looking at the schedule and I'm like, Bart, can you imagine? Think about this scenario. You need to win and get in. The Patriots have no nothing to play for at this point. They, they're done. They actually have a shot at getting, let's say, a top three pick. They're so bad. They can get their quarterback of the future. And Bill Belichick is like, no, nah, hell no. No, 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 no. I'm not, no, no. We're not laying down. We're winning this game. Like, he will coach his ass off in this game to just to make sure he beats the Jets. Even if it costs him Caleb Williams, he wouldn't care because beating the Jets and keeping that streak is what matters more to him. And that's the nightmare. But you know what? Sign me up just to get to that game because I'd love to see it because I need another can't wait moment. The Jets can go up to Foxborough and get the win. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same page as you. Uh, it's one of those things I know everyone stresses about. It's like just let's let's get to that point, and then if we get to that point, everyone can come up with yeah. the theories and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Last, uh, you know, last two right. things here. One, you know, there's a lot of talk. Rogers could he come back? How crazy would it be if like like I know again, it's like get to let's get to that point. Let's make sure they're in contention to even have a chance of Rogers coming back. But like, how big like. How I don't even know if realistic is the right word, just because we've literally never seen somebody do it. But it just feels like there's so much talk of this could happen. Do you buy into any of that, or is it just like Rogers wants people to kind of talk about him and keep himself relevant a little bit, and he wants to be the white, you know, whatever the knight in shining armor, whatever the the right word is. Like, how much is it that, or how much is it like he really thinks he could come back week seventeen, week eighteen, or whatever, you know, for a playoff, you know, appearance. I don't know if this is him wanting everybody to talk about him because we're going to talk about him regardless. I don't think he's at a point in his life where he needs people talking about him. I mean, his absence from the Jets will always keep him in the conversation because if they ended up having like a terrible season, we'd constantly say how badly they've missed him. And, you know, if you're somebody who's narcissistic, you love hearing, well, the team sucks because that guy got hurt because that makes you feel like, you know, yeah, I mean that much. So I don't think it's that. Does, Does he like it? Yeah, of course. 
I think, and this is from, you know, again, 20 years of covering professional athletes and being around them and stuff. I think he needs the why. I think he needs the drive, the, the I want people to say he's not going to come back. He can't do it because then whatever arduous rehab he has to go through, whatever crazy stuff he's got to do, he can attack every day because he's got somebody to hate. He's got somebody to prove wrong. Guys like him need a chip on their shoulder all the time. And I think him setting that up just to hear people tell him he can't, I think that builds the motivation and the fire inside him to want to. Can he? I don't know. It's unlikely because obviously it's never been done before. I'll say this. If we get to a point in the season that the Jets are relevant enough for him to come back whether it's first game of the playoffs, whether it's that week 18 game in New England to, to get to take them home, there's a lot of things to debate. If Zach Wilson's played well enough for the Jets to be a playoff team, do you want to make a change at that point? Is it the right thing to do? That's number one. Then if he hasn't played well enough for the Jets to be in contention, he could be healthy and ready to throw a football in week 15. I'm not letting him do that because – these aren't games that are going to help us. We're not going to win. We're already eliminated from the playoffs, so there's no reason for him to play. So that's why it's still sort of a fantasy kind of outcome. We'd all sign up for it, wouldn't we? I, like we've always, I'd love to debate, to debate, to have the legitimate debate of, all right, Rogers says he's ready, he's been cleared, but should he play? That's a great debate to have. I'd love to have it because it means they're in position to make the playoffs, which means it's been a good season. But right now, it still feels like fantasy and hard to believe until I can see it with my own eyes. But I'd love to. And what a story, what a way to write the story that Aaron Rodgers would put together if he can do something like that. So, yeah. you know, let's see. Buckle up. Yeah, no, look, I, it's kind of a similar thing with we said about the winning day in New England. It's like, if we get to the point where we're having that conversation, like, sign me up. There's a lot to talk yeah. about. It'll make the right, exactly. kind of go, uh, you know, go even you know, better. Last kind of thing here. Not I'll, you know, one basketball question because I know everyone loves the. I'm a Nets fan as we've talked about before, so I'm excited about this Nets season because I think they're a team that that'll be fun to watch. I don't think they have any championship aspirations, but they should be a playoff team. And Mikael Bridges and these guys, and they have a million draft picks and cap space now. Like they're a team to watch the deadline if they're good enough. Do they make one of those crazy moves? Mm. From a Knicks perspective, as much as I don't like the Knicks, I know everyone that most of the people that listen to this show do like the Knicks. So I'll ask you one next question. What's your level of – is this the most you've excited you've been about a Knicks team since maybe the, the year coming off the mellow, you know, whatever, 50-plus win team? Like, it feels like they kind of have a lot of momentum, and Miami not getting Dame kind of kept them in that conversation is that, like, next that next group of teams, right? I mean, there's a big block of teams right there, mm-hmm. um, you know, alongside Milwaukee yeah. and Boston. Yeah, it's, it's Milwaukee and Boston and everybody else. You know, the middle of the pack is pretty tight, and you've got everybody in the same place. And I agree. Like, if, 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 if Lillard ended up in Miami, that conversation now includes three teams, not just two. So that does change things. I'll say it like this. It's excited? No. It's not. I, I don't really get excited at this point. It's more or less my anticipation for this season um, and expectation is – is the highest it's been since going into that 2012-13 season when, you know, they surrounded Carmelo with a lot of older but very talented players, Jason Kidd and Rasheed Wallace. And they, they really built themselves 
a good roster, but you knew it was a short window kind of thing to see if they could make a run. And they had a great year, 54 wins. They really just ran out of gas. They should have beaten the Pacers, didn't. And that's a story for another day. But since then, you know, they, they just, they, the anticipation wasn't the same. I didn't have that same expectation. But coming off 47 wins, adding a good player in DiVincenzo, bringing back the team that, you know, has proven it can win games, it can stay healthy, and it can win in the playoffs. Now the anticipation is, okay, well, let's see what they can be in the East, which is top-heavy, but can you be a top-four team? Can you be third or fourth and get home court in the first in the first round and, you know, be a team that can advance in the playoffs and get a good matchup? Can you be a team that's good enough that during the season when a player becomes available, you're now a player in trying to get somebody to – take you to that next level, take you to that next step because they have assets to do it. That's the anticipation I have for this year. But until they can get that elusive star, it's hard to get excited about their chances because you know you need stars to win in this game. And that's what was different about that 2013 team. They had Mello. They had Amari. They had Tyson Chandler. They had an older but still very wise and, and very good Jason Kidd. You felt like that's a really good team. This team is very good. But that's what they're missing. They're missing the star that gets you over the top, especially in a playoff series. So I think they're going to be good. I think they can touch 50 wins. I think they can be a top four, you know, team, depending on health and everything else as always. And uh, and it'll be exciting to see along the way if, you know, there's a trade to be made, you know, can they and will they make it? Last quick thing here. How this is by this is totally biased. The, the MLB playoffs have not felt any <laughs> We're near the same that the Yankees in it because there's always the Yankees are always a team. If you're not a Yankees fan, everyone can root against them. The environment in the Bronx, like they're the biggest market, biggest team. It's felt really weird. There's been the series have kind of all sucked because they've been pretty much blowouts across the board, except for, you know, maybe we'll get something with this Phillies Braves series. But it's felt really weird with the Yankees not in the playoffs. I'm not just saying that because obviously I'm upset they're not in the playoffs, but like it just has not doesn't hit the same this year uh, in the playoffs where, you know, with no, with the Yankees, am I crazy to say that? Is that just totally biased? No. Well, it's what you, what you're doing is, is a Northeast bias is a, is a New York bias. Cause there's no, there's no Red Sox. There's no, you're right. I agree with you. There's no one to hate. There isn't, there's no, no one to hate. And so with that, you know, like you kind of have that something's missing. But it's mainly because of where we are. We're being very provincial right now. We're all saying the playoffs are boring because the Yankees aren't in it, the Mets aren't in it, and there's no one to hate in it. You kind of like have grown out of the Astros thing at this point. So it's it's like locally it's bad for the sport. But I think if you look at the way the Texas Rangers are playing right now, you know, you look at what you're seeing from other markets. I mean, Atlanta – That's a really good team. And that series, you know, Phillies last year showed you. So that series actually looks like it could be something special. And then we'll see where things go beyond. But I just think this is more of a provincial thing. We feel like when the Yankees aren't in it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't count. And it's been, you know, it's been a long time. Like they went on a nice run from 2017 on, they couldn't take that next step. And now they've got to try to reset again. Do I still think, though, it's not good for baseball to not have at least one team from the biggest market involved in the sport, in, in the playoffs? It does hurt on a national level, but the sport has become regional now. It's not what it used to be. So therefore, for us in this market, it's like easy to tune out. 
Yeah, it's like ratings wise, I'm very curious how it's going to shake out with just no Red Sox, no Yankees. Those are markets that like the Dodgers, yeah. just, the Dodgers just they collapse every year except for COVID, and they don't really have the same, you know, <laughs> they don't have the same draw necessarily at the Yankees or or the Red Sox might. Obviously, appreciate you hopping on. Um, I know we both uh, are running around tonight, um, but appreciate you hopping on. Obviously, make sure you guys are catching Barton Hahn. You know, weekdays. Obviously, like I mentioned, you have a really cool uh, interview weekly with Garrett Wilson. Cross our fingers for a nice Jets mm-hmm. W on Sunday, and then two weeks to basically t- hype up a a poopfecta bowl of the Giants versus the Jets again um, in uh, in a few weeks. Appreciate you hopping on as always, man. <laughs> you got it, Will. Take it easy.